this is it. We're all caught up. Isn't that amazing? So you notice I dropped it today on a Wednesday. And that's when the episodes will now be coming out. Every second Wednesday, we'll be having an episode drop. If you want to hear the episodes earlier than that, go to patreon.com slash unethical podcast. You can get all of our uncut video episodes, same day as the drop. And you can also get early access to all of our other episodes week before they drop. And you can get unethical stuff there, including uncut episodes of Unethical Podcast and early access to episodes that drop. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, no, the viral shit that I follow is like Chinese spy balloons, not actors getting dementia. Oh, so I would probably never fair. hear that if you didn't mention it. I thought maybe you had joined my Facebook group, Give Bruce Willis <laughs> Dementia by 2023. <laughs> It was a sunny Sunday in Dicton. The Dicks were looking to have a lazy afternoon. They'd been solving crimes for months now, and they needed to take a break. So just hanging out in the office, with no intent in solving anything, Rick goes over to the hat and chooses a name. The solving hat. Whenever RJ or Richard or Rick complete a case that no one asked them to complete, they write down the name of the victim on a piece of paper and throw it in a hat. And they all vow to themselves, if anyone ever picks a name from this hat, we must solve the case. Rick wasn't paying attention that day. Rick doesn't know what the hat's for. Rick's about to change their lazy Sunday to a less lazy Sunday. Hey guys, speaking of dementia, what's this hat over here for? Oh, Rick, don't don't, don't touch the hat. Oh, and there's well, there's pieces of paper inside of it. Don't pull it. Fucking no. don't don't do it. Uh, get the hat. Ah, oh, you sack of shit. What does it say on it? Terra Calico. Mm. Fuck you, piece of shit. Do we have to solve it? Yeah, that's the hat's for. If somebody picks a name out of the hat, we have to solve it. Oh, that's definitely a lot better than what I thought it was. I thought that was our next dementia victim. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how the hat works. Yeah, that's what <laughs> the like, hat it's like, the, it's like the Harry Potter sorting hat, uh, but of uh, aging <laughs> and mental illnesses. Yeah, and on on the inside, on the left, you will see Bruce Willis's signature. Slytherin House, Alzheimer's. <laughs> I would never do something like that to, to Brucey B dubs. Fine, I'll fucking solve Terra Calico. I already have it all solved anyway. Uh and I'm I'm dedicating this to I'm pouring a bit of my drink out right now to our fallen brain man, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Rest in peace, brain man. Fucking fucking beautiful, Richard. <laughs> I, I'm I have a king of toasts. <laughs> An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Okay, well, Sarah Calico, I, I did a bunch of research on this because I figured someone would come in and get us to solve this for us. And 
honestly, I started looking into this because of a, a photo we'll get into a bit because I thought it was cool. It was like crazy. But then I, the more I started researching and I, I had probably about half the script done, I figured out that this is basically solved. And it's more, it's probably better for an unethical episode than a private dicks episode. But I was too far. I mean, in you don't I, have to waste it. You can use it. Well, you pulled the name out of the hat. Now I'm fucking, you forced my hand. Now I have to go into it, but it's not solved officially, but like, it's a pretty goddamn good idea what's going on here, but I'm sure we could put our own spin on it, but I fucked up because I was too far in and I'm like, I'm not starting a new episode. <laughs> like I'm just finishing this. <laughs> Tara Calico, born February 28th, 1969 in the small town of Balin, Belen, New Mexico. I'm going to go with Belen. Belen is Spanish for Bethlehem, but it's nicknamed the Hub City. It's gained the nickname of Hub City. Belen is geographically in the middle of New Mexico and has a significant transportation hub for the rest of New Mexico. Um, it's all trains and shit. Lots of train tracks run through it. Uh, it has a population of 7,360. But in the late 80s, early 90s, where the story starts, it had a population of 4,800 to 5,600 people, which is basically this town I live in. So I could see how a lot of this makes sense in a way. Mystery starts on September 20th, 1988. The 19-year-young Tara Calico left her house in Balin to ride her bike 36 miles, 58 kilometers, down New Mexico State Road 47 at 9.30 in the morning. It's actually a 17-mile route back and forth, and it's a route that she took regularly. Uh, it's also a route that her mother, Patty Deal, lots of people are calling her Dole or Doyle. On the internet, Patty Doyle, which it's D-E-O-L. I think it's D-O-L. That's not Doyle at all. D-O-Y-L-E would be Doyle, D right? Like D-E-O-L. D-E-O-L. That is, yeah, that would be a strange way to spell Doyle. Yeah, that's what I mean. Anyways, I was fucking laughing. Everyone's calling her Doyle. I'm like, maybe it is. Maybe she said it that way. I haven't found it. I just found other uh, sources of media that I've been listening to that have been huh. calling her Deal or Doyle. Anyway, so her mother, Patty Doyle used to take that bike ride with her every day, but recently stopped riding her bike along the highway because she thought that she was being stalked by a motorist. So before heading out the door, Tara asked her mom that if I'm not home by 12 o'clock, can you come pick me up? Because at that 36 miles is a long time on a bike. That's probably like a three hour ride. I was trying to figure out how long it would take, probably about three hours. So that's, she didn't really give herself enough time to do the shit she wanted to do. So she's like, mom, if I'm not home, could you come pick me up? Perfect. Uh, Tara had plans to play tennis with her boyfriend at 1230 and she didn't want to miss them. Plus she was going, she had university, she was a sophomore and she had classes at 330. So she had, she had a busy day ahead of her. So busy that she'd already laid out her tennis clothes and textbooks. So she wouldn't take long to get ready when she got back. Patty agreed that sure, if you're not home, I'll come find you. Uh, and before she get out the door, Patty once again insisted that Tara buy a can of mace for her bike rides. Patty was like actually very freaked out by her supposed stalking by a passing motorist. Wait, this was like 1980s and she's telling her to buy mace? Yeah. They didn't have cell phones or anything, right? So you'd have to have some, she's like, protect yourself is what she's trying to say. Tara just laughed it off. She's just like, okay, mom, you're paranoid, relax. Hmm. And then she leaves. Yeah, Tara was very like independent and she's like, she wasn't going to listen to her parents. She's 19 years old. She's ready to go do her own thing. She's passionate about her place in the world. She always used to help people out around her. 
she was just that person. She wasn't scared of much being a kid. I don't know. I'm not fucking when I was 19, I wasn't scared of much. I'm scared of shit now. You know what I mean? Bad shit's happened to me between 19 and 39. Well, like, like bats, <laughs> bats have definitely happened to me. Actually. I'm not scared of bats. Uh, that happens to you a lot. It's happened to me yeah. for sure. Bats attacking your face. Mm. I'm not mm. scared of bats though, but I mean like just shit's happened. Oh, like whatever car accidents or whatever. Like I wasn't scared of driving oh. before, but I've been in a car accident. I thought I thought maybe like Draculas or, or bats. I didn't think you meant real stuff. <laughs> Great. Now people are going to be coming after us because you don't think that Dracula or bats are real. I just I just meant like real threats. I, I know Dracula's real. I just also think he's a pussy. <laughs> oh, you can kick his ass just like you can yeah. kick the ass of every single penguin in Antarctica. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I love how yep. Rick's defending his vampire lord against you right now yeah. you don't talk about him like that he made me yeah. S- simmer down renfield tara was into sports as well as the arts and her, she was in her sophomore year at the university of new mexico studying psychology all patty could see was the potential in her daughter and it pleased her that she was outliving her life little did patty know that this would be the last interaction she had with tara off onto the road with her mother's 10-speed pink huffy bike she went putting her Walkman in her pocket and her headphone on her ears. That's right. She had a Walkman, which is fun. That's awesome. She took her mom's bike because her bike had gotten a flat a couple days before that. Tara wasn't home by noon. Patty thought that maybe Tara was running late and went to go look for her. Patty, they say, was very a stickler for being on time. So like at 12 o'clock, she was like, I'm going. They The reason they're on time is, I thought this was fun, is that they spent their her entire career working for the Santa Fe Railway. And being prompt is part of the business. That's what they said. <laughs> Tara's stepfather too, John Dole or Deal or whatever the fuck his name is, uh, also worked at the rails. And it was a family looking at their watches. John was a conductor uh, on the trains from what I understand. And then whenever I think of a conductor, what do you think of? I think of a guy looking at a fucking pocket watch. Like, All aboard. Everyone ready to go? Like it's fucking, they're always on time. Uh, He's conductor. I think of a, I think of a dude in like overalls, but without a shirt on shoveling uh, like coal into like a, a little fireplace. Is that <laughs> not that, a conductor? Wouldn't that be like the like fireman or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you think he's of- hot. He's hot in my head. Our conductor's hot. <laughs> Depends what your kink is, bro. Is he wearing no shirt and overalls? Or yeah, he yeah, like yeah. He's doing mm-hmm. the. He's he's real sweaty. He's got the smudges of coal all over Definitely him. Definitely hot. Definitely hot. Yeah, that shit's hot for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a couple seconds to think about that. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Patty gets in her vehicle and drives up and down the uh, 17 mile stretch along route 47 looking for her daughter can't find her so when she gets home she thinks to herself like maybe tara went a different route which doesn't make any sense but there's not another route so whatever patty says fuck it i'm just gonna go look again because i maybe i missed her so i'm gonna go take a couple so she goes out twice when she comes back the second time she's like super worried Uh, when she gets home the second time she looks in the garage for the bike she's like maybe she got home while i was out bike wasn't there now she goes to wake up her husband, John, who's working night shifts, so he's trying to sleep during the day. And just as she wakes up John to tell him what's going on, Tara's boyfriend, Jack Cole, calls to see where Tara is for their dentist or their tennis date. Their dentist date. Their dentist date. <laughs> their uh tennis date. Got it. Patty and John tell Jack that Tara can't be found. And they were just about to call him. They thought like maybe she was already with you. 
Jack mm-hmm. immediately hangs up the phone and he heads to their house. So this is about 1.45, less than two hours after Tara should have been home. Jack, Patty, and a few other of uh, Tara's friends go search for Tara again later that afternoon. Still no Tara. When the group had no luck finding her, Patty contacted the hospitals and the Valencia County Sheriff's Department within three hours. Uh, after alerting authorities, Jack and Patty go out a third time, heading to Tara's turnaround point at the train tracks. When they find nothing again, they actually kind of split off a little bit and they end up seeing three guys in a gray truck with a camper shell drinking beers at a nearby campground. So they kind of like split off into the side roads where there's a campground. They decide to stop and talk to the men, see if they'd seen anything. The three men say they haven't seen anything and they've been there since 11. They're kind of dicks. They're a little drinking. They're being kind of dickheads, honestly. Patty and Jack, whatever this kind of, to them, it's just like, Oh, okay. So if you hadn't seen her and you guys have been here by 11, she could have only gotten so far. So let's see where let's look in those areas now. Right. Patty and Jack still don't really see anything after like narrowing down their search. So they head back again. They get their whole, they're at their house by about three o'clock. By this time, John wants to go out and look because Patty's so freaked out. Like her husband's like, I'm not going to be able to sleep for my night shift anyway. Patty tells him about the three guys. And John's like, those guys are perfect people to ask more questions. They're being dicks. I got to go see what they have to say. So he goes back to go question those guys again. And John takes Jack and Jack's friend, which is another guy. So three guys this time versus just like Patty, you know, because they kind of split up. When they get back to the campground, Jack notices that the camper shell truck isn't in the same spot it was before. It's like further in the campground. So they go up to them and they want to go ask some questions. And the guys are all drinking beers and they're acting this time. They're acting all defensive and aggressive towards the boyfriend, father and friend and really defensive too. Like they say that they they have that truck and they're kind of like not letting anyone go towards the back of the truck. Okay. They notice that right away. I mean, like also like if strangers came up to you, like while you're just camping with your buds and, you know, started like, harassing you because they're looking for their missing daughter or girlfriend whatever i mean that would like be reason to just be like immediately irritated and defensive with people like i know i mean i would be like you know you got no fucking way of knowing that the girl i have tied up in the back of my truck is your daughter (laughs) could be anybody's daughter yeah Yeah. that's not fair yeah is this america or what come on guilty until proven (laughs) innocent she's not your daughter yeah, he's back yeah. <laughs> this could be anyone's daughter. Doesn't yeah. have to be only your daughter. You know how many daughters there are in America? <laughs> anyway, so John gets to the campground. He sees those guys still drinking. They go back in. They park further in. John starts to ask some more questions, like just to get clarification, because Patty was kind of a mess. She's freaking out at home. Uh, and they're all drinking Budweiser, which is actually necessary to say. Their story changed, though. From what Patty had said, Patty and Jack, the original one, they said that they'd been there since 1130, not 11. So half hour, they made a mistake or they just were there at 1130. Who knows? Like maybe they're lying. Maybe they're not. Mm. Anyways, they're being kind of dicks. They're not answering questions, kind of being smart asses. So nothing productive is coming from this conversation. So the three men head back and they get home around 4 p.m. And this is when an officer actually shows up at their house to take the family's missing person report. Which which they do take it, and they entered into the National Crime Information Center, which back then would have been, just made it more of a broad search across more police forces instead of just a Valencia. It would have been, made a 
bolo for a bunch of different places in the nearby area. But at the same time, there's no evidence of a crime. So the police are like, we'll put this in. But like, has Tara just like thought about moving or she like, you know, talking about doing vacations, you know, just leaving the town. She ever talk about that kind of stuff. She ever run away before. Oh man. They start right away with the, like, you know, she could have just ran away. Wow. Yeah. This is way back before anybody took that shit. Seriously. <laughs> back when, when America's most wanted was just a, a shorthand pen ballpoint pen list in, in John Walsh's pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing bad happens in this town. Yeah. How's your home life? You guys ever hit her? You know, stuff like that. Like, yeah. and they're like, no, man, she's a fucking sophomore university. She had, pla- look at her beds, Play-Doh with all her clothes. She was coming home. This is the, like, she's missing right now. I'm like, ah, okay, we'll put it the missing persons. But like, come on, you know, she could just run away. You're And in the eighties, it would be a lot easier. You can't just call someone. You could just disappear in the eighties. I think, I don't know if you could disappear. Like probably super easy in the eighties, actually just. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pack them full of cash and just drive to Canada. You could be gone, right? Any one of us could be children of a completely different person than we thought. (laughs) Our parents parents could have any kind of lives prior to (laughs) whatever fake one they built when we were born into it. Is this what you like to get yourself through the night for being junior? For being junior? Yeah, for being RJ. For being the junior, you're like, fuck it. Oh, I'm not a junior. Believe it or not. I'm a third. I, I See, that's why I'm not a junior. So I, Because I would have been a third. And my mom was like, oh, no. You would have also been a third? I would have been a third, yeah, had I had I had my father's name. No, RJ is just my initials. I am named after my grandpa. So that kind of makes me like a skip third. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is, is, what, is, what is your name? Uh, Joseph Gables Hitler. Uh <laughs> No, that's my great grandpa. Um, Strudel. <laughs> Strudel. Strudel Strudel. SS. I knew the Nazis created Uber the Strudel. Mensch. It's too good. Oh, why? You think Nazis make good things? Anyways, yeah, the cops are, God bless their lazy souls. They just gave up and labeled it as a runaway pretty much right away. Um, but they did enter her name into the NCIC, so that was kind of cool. That was good of them because it did put a wider net right away. They didn't find anything, but it did actually. They did actually do their job to a point. They didn't do super lots of investigation. It took them nine months. Patty went out and she found like a piece of her tape player, uh, the the cassette, like the Walkman. She found a chunk of it on the side of the road, and she also found like a bike going into the soft shoulder, like a bike trail going into the soft shoulder, which looked like she was like kind of run off the road. And so the cops were like, okay, this now they start taking it seriously. So over the next nine months, the area, the two lane. <laughs> Wait, they started taking it seriously after the mother did the detective work? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Fuck, much. dude. Yeah. I fucking hate cops. Yeah. <laughs> Especially 80s cops in a small town like this. Oh my God. You're going to hate cops so much after this episode. They start searching hundreds of volunteers, dozens of police officers, all comb, comb the area on foot, horseback, four wheeler, and plane. Uh, all that time, they only found a few pieces of evidence. Like I said, they found the the bike tracks. And John Dole said it looked like more like skid marks into the soft shoulder. They also found Tara's broken Sony Walkman in two different places. Patty found the first piece. And the first part was a broken tape door. And the rest of it was found months later. They also found the tape that she was listening to, which was Boston. And they didn't tell me which Boston album, but I'm guessing it's their 1976 self-titled. Which means that if she died on that highway... 
the last thing she could have been listening to was more than a feeling. Okay, so I, 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 kind of, I was hoping that was the song more than a feeling smacked by a car. Or like. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, is someone following me? More than a feeling. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. But that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, Jesus Christ, what a shitty song to die to. Yeah. Uh, if you died to that, I don't know. Patty claimed that the two pieces of the cassette player were left as if Tara was leaving them a trail that would lead right to her or at least point them in the right direction. There was also empty old Milwaukee beer cans located near the Walkman. So those three guys that were being mouthy kind of got the only reason the cops didn't look more into them was because the beer cans didn't match the kind of beer that where they were actually drinking that night. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Budweiser. Uh, you might need... <laughs> feeling like you need to be exonerated for a kidnapping? <laughs> Crack open a, a cool, refreshing Bud. <laughs> and we'll throw the old Milwaukee yeah. cans near where you did it. You know what they say, forget your worries, Bud. Yeah, from what I understand, those three guys stopped getting questioned because of the bo- the cans. Okay. Uh, sure they it's not like maybe they could have emptied their fucking fridge and found some extra beers and had two different types of beers but no it's got to be only bud or no no people are very brand loyal yeah for sure especially hicks in fucking new mexico right yeah which brings me to our next sponsor old milwaukee everybody thank you to old (laughs) milwaukee for sponsoring this podcast uh if you don't need to be exonerated because you did actually kidnap a woman crack open a cold milwaukee Okay, so that the the cans were found near the entrance to that campground, which is called JFK Campground, right beside where they found the second chunk of the video, the cassette player, right where those guys were. But don't talk to them anymore. It's different beer cans. Fuck. There's a few other witnesses that claim to have seen Tara on her bike that day, because this is like a, a a highway, but it's like a two lane highway. It's not like a huge fucking four lane or eight lane highway. It's just like one going one way, one going the other highway. So, like, anybody that was passing by that time, it's like a two, three-hour ride, like I said, would have seen her. So, some people came forward saying they saw her. A couple of them were uh, some some hunters. They were walking nearby and outside, and they kind of went to the road just to – they had a kid with them. There's three of them plus a kid. And they saw her, and they just noticed her because of the big pink bike, really. They just said, oh, there's a girl on a bike, and then they went back. So, somebody saw her driving the bike, no any type of bad thing happening to her. They just saw her. It was the kid. Yeah, it was the kid, for sure. The little guy. I'm just learning how to hunt, and then he accidentally shot her. Or or it was her. Maybe they just dressed her up in hunting clothes. Did they undress <laughs> the kid to make sure? Yeah, just, you shut yes. up. You're a kid. <laughs> uh, another witness was a guy named Ishmael De La Rosa, said that between 1230, or 1130 and twelve. Uh, he saw Tara riding her bike, but when he saw her, he was in the distance when he was driving and he saw this tan color, gray color truck on the side of the road. That's how he st- saw it. Like he saw this truck and he was coming up to it. He thought it was stopped. But then as he got closer, he noticed that the truck was like pulled over onto the side of the road, following her like Tara on her bike going really slowly. And he was like agitated. The only reason he remembers any of this because he was agitated because he had a trailer hooked up to the back of his truck and he was trying to go. He had a dead calf in the trailer and he was bringing it to the veterinarian 
to figure out how the calf died because he didn't want his whole herd of cattle to get whatever disease that cow had. So he wanted to go figure out what was wrong with the calf. And he was in a rush. He had an appointment and this fucking truck's driving like 30 on the highway and he couldn't pass. There's so many trucks coming the opposite way. So he remembers being like, what the fuck, man? And he saw her and he saw this guy. He's like, maybe it's her dad or something following her. Hmm. It's the same description as the, the truck those three guys were drinking out of a, a old 50 style Ford with a camper shell on it right behind her. And he said when he finally did get a chance to pass her, he saw the guy. He was looking at her creepily and he's like, oh, that's not the dad. He felt bad. He's like, maybe I should like. No, no, go, pal. You got a dead calf in the back of your truck. You can't. <laughs> no, it's so he, urgent. He, he didn't stop. He was going to stop. He said he was going to stop, but he saw some other guys broken down ahead or they maybe they weren't broken down they just stopped on the side of the road on the opposite side coming the opposite way and he calls them wetbacks he's like there's a bunch of wetbacks up there oh uh, yeah cool. he goes a bunch of wetbacks which isn't a good term but that's his words not mine i'm sorry and this man's name Dilarosa. yeah ishmael well it's the 80s man i don't know what to say i don't know what to fucking okay. say maybe that's just that because this is all from police reports too so maybe it's the cop writing that in the report like that the wetbacks are more wetbacks <laughs> It's so much more likely. (laughs) But anyway, so he sees them and then he goes, oh, those guys are actually more dangerous. That's what he says. Like, I shouldn't leave them with them. There's this one guy. And then he sees two old ladies playing golf in the golf course that's on the opposite side of the road. And he goes, okay, if anybody has any problems, the old ladies will stop them. I was like, what? Yeah, That's your fucking logic? Get the old ladies who are playing golf, not paying attention to any of this at all. Well, whatever. I got to get my calf. Anyways. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, everybody relies on old ladies guys private dicks brought to you uh by our, our next sponsor old ladies uh strong <laughs> sturdy dependable old ladies won't mind yelling at you yeah old ladies share share the affiliate link rj i will yeah so he describes the driver of the truck as a white middle-aged man with bright red hair bloodshot eyes and a puffy face I don't know if that matches any of the description of the guys from the park. I couldn't figure out any descriptions of the guys at the campground. Sorry. Dolorosa said that the guy had a scar or a groove or something that went from his left eye to his temple. He's very distinctive. So he noticed it when he was driving by. He also said when he pulled up to the truck, I forgot about this part. He pulled up to the truck. Originally he saw like, he thought it was a dog running into the truck. So like it was going, it was stopped, but he, then he thought maybe it was just a guy hiding around the truck. So you think there's a passenger in there too, but he didn't see the passenger when he passed. He just saw the driver. There were other people that saw Tara on her bike that day as well, but like nothing, nobody saw any type of crime, right? So they just saw her driving her bike. The only guy that really saw anything too crazy was De La Rosa. But even with the witnesses that saw Tara, no one actually saw any type of abduction, just the slow moving truck. So it just kind of went on for nine months investigating. There was a little bit of an update from the police during this time. So on October 25th, 1988, that's about a month later, uh, lead investigator Sheriff Lawrence Romero of the Valencia County Sheriff's uh, announced that they believe there were two, at least two men involved in Calico's abduction. And he says this info is based on a witness that came forward. So I'm guessing it's De La Rosa is who came forward and he's saying there's two people that abducted her, but nobody saw any abduction. So I don't get why he makes this comment, but he does. And that was it for like nine months until something happens 1,600 miles away, 2,575 kilometers away from Balin, New Mexico, in Florida. On June 15th, 1989, a woman parks 
beside a white windowless Toyota van outside of a junior's convenience store in Port St. Joe, Florida. I couldn't figure out this lady's name, but the unlamed lady went into the store, did her transactions and came back out. When she comes out, she notices that the van was gone, but in its place laid a Polaroid face down on the pavement beside her car. Now, out of curiosity, the woman picks up the Polaroid and what she sees is disturbing. The Polaroid was of two people bound with their hands behind their backs and duct tape covering their mouths. One was a teenage looking woman with hair and a complexion that matched that of Tara. The other was a boy of about 10. There was some sort of bed pillow between them, blankets strewn everywhere, a white blue stripe kind of background going on. You don't really know what it is. Uh, She's wearing a gray t-shirt and short shorts and the boy is wearing a light blue t-shirt. There's a book right beside the girl with dog-eared pages. The book was My Sweet Audrina by V.C. Andrews. The two kids look like they're in the back of like a camper van or something to that extent. Both kids look terrified. I'll show you the picture now if you want to see it. I suggest people go look at it because it is kind of terrifying. And it's a Polaroid. So there's a couple things too about the Polaroid. On the the book, it looks like there's a like a phone number or something jotted down on it, but you can't really tell because it's a fucking Polaroid. But here, where's the good picture? The outside looks like a van door, eh? Like you see the oh yeah, right. So she looks like she's in a van. Yeah, the speed with which I would place that Polaroid back face down exactly where I picked it up. Mm-mm. I'm not getting involved in that. It's definitely fucking terrifying. It's not a good day to see that for sure. But I'd probably yeah. go to the cops. I'd have to because like that's kids, man. It's a little kid. Like maybe you can help. Um, it was, yeah. I would never pick something up off the ground. I would never <laughs> I would never open that that can of worms. <laughs> what if that's, it's, that's a pretty good, yeah. It's not that I would I would never have to put it back down because I would never pick it up. It's his, it's his own hundred dollars he dropped. I'm not getting involved in that. <laughs> it's too many people around. <laughs> Yeah, so so the lady who found this photo that parked beside that windowless van said that the man the van was driven by a man in his thirties with a mustache. Uh, she immediately brought the photo to the police, knowing that it was probably part of some crime. I'm gonna go with yeah, that's part of a crime. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't even if that's like imagine that's your own kids and you're like shut up back there, I'll tie you up. That's still a crime. Like it can't mm-hmm. not be a crime. It's a crime. So yeah, she she brought it to the police. RJ would be like, "Fuck this," and just throw it away and wait for the next guy. Yeah. Well, the last thing I need, because like you know, I mean, like, what if what if that could be child porn? I don't want to be carrying that around, especially not into a police station. You know, <laughs> just like, did you just bring child porn into the police station? And I'm like, but it's not child. You porn. know what? You're right. That was dumb of me, wasn't it? Yeah, but if you brought child porn, that'd be different. It's just two kids tied up. It's not child porn. That's that's someone's porn that that she found. I guess you're right. I mean, I, someone took a picture of that, so that's for definitely for some sort of excitement purposes. You're not wrong about that, but I mean, yeah. the definition of is, child abuse is it? Material. Well, no, it's not graphic in that way. I think it's more of a. I, I honestly think if it's it's more of a trafficking thing, and I feel like the picture was taken because it was like property being transferred. I feel like Could that be. type of shit in like a. Oh, like so it's like like the on. the way the Amazon guy takes a picture of someone else's porch with your shit on it. Yeah, to ensure yeah. that like product was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. got it, dude. <laughs> All right, but yeah, the police jump on that right away, set up roadblocks, but they never find anything. Later on, I'm just gonna say it now because later on, the Polaroid's actually inspected by Kodak to see if when the photo could have been taken. <laughs> Kodak's on the case. Yeah. 
that makes me laugh just because there's no fucking way they had any better idea than anyone else. Well, the reason they got it looked at is because they wanted to see if they could date the actual photo itself and actually did help because that type of like actual photo, not the photo sure. of it, wasn't actually out on the market till May 1989. So, Which would be harder to find out without Kodak's help, but... <laughs> yeah, you didn't really need to not, go to Kodak. Not impossible. It just feels like one of those things where, like, Kodak's is gonna fix this, baby. We're gonna, we're, <laughs> you, you know us. We're a family company. It's. <laughs> Was this a Walmart parking lot? No, it's in a parking lot of a convenience store. Oh, it didn't say. Well, it did say it's it's a fucking Joe's Trader Joe's. I think it said Trader Joe's. Is that the same Trader Joe's now? Is that I lied. I lied. It's a Junior's convenience store. I went up and I looked. Does, does Junior's sell Polaroid pictures? Like, was that like a thing they could get there? Yeah, they sell they sell already taken Polaroid photographs. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I just meant the 1989 limited limited edition pack where maybe there was already a trading card inside. Yeah, right, right next to the greeting cards. It's like, what's the occasion? You want some of these flowers? These puppies, these children bound and gagged in the back of a van. <laughs> Maybe this is just one of those photos where when you go and you buy a new frame, that's the pre preloaded image. That you comes think in that's one of exactly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, the guy looks at it, he's like, "Oh, I don't want to be caught with child porn." Throws that right on the ground, right? Like, <laughs> after he just bought his new frame at Trader okay. Joe's. The eighties were crazy, dude. They were selling it, wallets with child porn already in them. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like uh, Walmart didn't exist in 1988 or 89, first of all. Unless really? I don't think so. And then I feel they did. I don't know. Walmart's not that old. Well, we're all going to do our individual Googling and come up with different answers based on our IP Well, addresses. the first one opened in 1962. So already could have been a Walmart. By the 1980s, Walmart reached $1 billion in annual sales. Okay. So fair enough. They're around. I just I didn't see one until like up here, until like late or mid 90s well i mean canadians are you know third class citizens so we're not citizens that is you guys get all the 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 cool shit late like you know yeah boston more than a feeling just came out so yeah 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 you guys oh my god i remember what was it like two weeks ago 9-11 just happened over there yeah for sure come on you're so behind the times sorry about that sorry about that by the way (laughs) looks like your government did that yeah you won't find that out for another 10 years though uh, month later, okay, the police didn't really, they tried to find nothing, no clues except for some lady found a Polaroid, so they don't know what to do. So a month later, the Port St. Joe police have no clues, so they put it out to the media, the photo, to see maybe someone can recognize them. And that snowballed real quickly, and it ended up on an episode of A Current Affair, which was like a true crime show in the 80s, 90s. Friends of Pat, uh, Patty and John had seen the episode and told John and Patty to watch the episode because the girl in the Polaroid looks a lot like Tara. They do. And when they watch the episode for that brief five seconds, Patty sees the photo and she's like, ah, that could be Tara. Uh, And then she watches it again and goes, oh my God, that is fucking Tara. Not only there's a bunch of reasons why, not just because it kind of looks like Tara. uh, There's other clues like VC Andrews, when she saw the book, that was Tara's favorite author. And my my sweet Audrina was her favorite novel from uh, VC Andrews, but like that doesn't really mean much. VC Andrews was like the teeny bopper fucking queen of Y and A novels in the nineties. Like every teenage girl would have been reading a VC Andrews. 
not everyone, but I mean, if you were into reading and you were that age, it's like likely you would have been reading V.C. Andrews, but still was her favorite book, which mm-hmm. isn't nothing. But it, to me, it's kind of a nothing burger. The photo shows a scar on the girl's right leg that Patty says matched the scar that Tara got when she was in a car accident a few years earlier. Uh, and the girls that would be enough for me, I think. Yeah, uh, that's that's where kind of a, it tilts it towards her. And, and the girl has kind of like the same haircut as Tara at the same time. Uh, by that, do you mean brown? No, there's like a little cowlick, like kind of like a what do you call it? Like, like sideways bangs kind of thing. And it kind of looks the way Tara's hair was. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, just yeah. tied back, though. Right. So, yes, brown is part of it, too. But, like, the mouth is a pretty big defining feature. You can't really see the mouth in the <laughs> gag video. Like, it's hard to see. So, that kind of ruins mm-hmm. it. That makes it harder to say yes. But the scar on the leg is what did it for them. Now, right about the time the dolls see the photo, another family from nearby sees the photo and thinks the boy might be their son. Michael Henley went missing near the Zuni Mountains four months earlier than Tara while on a camping trip with his father and his father's friend. Balin and Zuni Mountains are about two to three hours apart from each other, 123 miles or 198 kilometers. The Henleys and the Doles both saw it, and they both wanted to go see the photo in person, so they both get flown to Florida in July 89 to examine it further. By the end of the visit, both sets of parents are convinced that their children are the ones tied up in the photos. Now, over the next six months, the police interrogate witnesses, and further examine the Polaroid. So they interview some hunters, like I said, that were hunting. They'd seen Terra biking. So they finally actually found those guys. So Melinda Esquivel, that's the girl that did the, the podcast called Vanished uh, about Tara. She was like her friend. She grew up in Balin. They weren't really like super tight friends, but they knew each other. And she thought Tara was super nice. And she ended up moving away, became becoming a filmmaker, living in California. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. So she knew Tara. Tara. Yeah, Tara Tara, solved the case and then said, eh, fuck her, I'll put it behind a paywall. Jesus Christ. Yes. Just to answer that quickly to make your life easier. Yes, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) God. So yeah, she hears about Tara. Like, okay, she knew about that. It happened when she was like just out of high school. And then she came back for like a visit after university stuff like years and years later. And she says, oh, it was too bad. We never, ever heard anything about Tara. She was a nice girl. And everyone in town was like, yeah, we, we know what happened. It's just like a known secret around town. She decides to make this documentary and then she gets scared of making the documentary and then she makes a podcast. She's scared she's going to get fucking killed. Anyway, so a lot of information that comes from this episode comes from her like deep diving, digging into this. None of it's for sure. It's just her deep dive into this shit. So yes, it's all, but not really. You know what I mean? So during the further investigation, so this is coming from Melinda Esquivel. She found, and, and actually... Tara's sister, I forget what her name is, her half-sister, there she was part of the podcast too. I wish I would have listened to the podcast, but it's behind the Patreon, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I already read so much by the time I heard about this podcast, I'm like, I'm just going to read the same shit. I'm going to listen to the same shit and pay five bucks for it. I'm good. Anyway, so during further investigations, Ishmael De La Rosa is questioned further by a guy named Captain Ray Flores. This is where he explains about the dead calf and like all that stuff. But uh, the only thing new that they got out of him was they got him to make a police sketch, like come down to the station and get a sketch taken. And the sketch, like it's a guy's male between age 35 to 40, five foot nine, six feet, anywhere between five foot nine, and six feet, 190 pounds. Like they have a, a four inch or three inch difference between height and then an exact weight, 190 pounds uh, with reddish hair, 
blue eyes, two deep wrinkle lines between his eye and his temples. Like I already said, but they released the sketch to the public after that. Who do we get a sketch? You can find it. It's somewhere. I should have had it prepped. I ha- I was looking at it. It's not, it doesn't look good. It'll, it's about as good as fucking police sketches get. They're like, to me, I find police sketches are trash always. Oh, yeah. That's why I like them, though. I didn't get a prep. Sorry. It's somewhere. I, I saw it. Already. No, no, no. You're you're good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. So the, so the police sketch happens. But the biggest surprise of that second interview is that Delarosa points out one of his friends, Jack Agario, Agario, A-G-U-A-Y-O, Agayo. Dolorosa suggests that Ageo uh, would have. We'll more just call. Info. We'll we'll call him Doyle. Sure, Ageo. Uh, Dolorosa believed that one of Jack's Jack Ageo's grandkids, JJ, which is Jack Joe uh, Ageo, JJ Ageo, was in the area when Tara went missing. So the police are like, "What? How come we didn't say this before?" He's like, "I don't know. I just heard him talking. He said my grandkids involved. I guarantee it." He's like, okay. So when interviewed, Jack Ageo says that JJ and his friends had seen Tara. And also had a light-colored 1950s-era Ford with a camper shell. JJ's friends were Paul Zeeler, Lawrence Romero Jr., and perhaps others. That's right, Lawrence Romero Jr., the sheriff's kid. Jack believed them not only to be involved in the drug trade, but also involved in Tara's disappearance. Right away, you're like, okay, I see where this is going. Meanwhile, while this is happening, the Polaroid's being examined by three different places— uh, Scotland Yard examines it. Okay, they say that the girl in the photo is Tara. The FBI examines the photograph and says the kids cannot be definitively confirmed or deny whether it's the children or not, Henley or Tara. And the Los Alamos National Laboratory examines the photo and says that both kids are Tara and Michael. So they have all across the spectrum. Yes, maybe no. So perfect way to go, Polaroid. Uh, that's why they called Kodak in. If you guys can't do it, Kodak can. And then they went, Kodak's like, well, the photo's from 1989. That's all they said. So maybe that's the real reason that Bob Lazar stopped working at Los Alamos and they tried to disown him. Was he was the guy that was like, yeah, that's her. And they're like, fuck you, Bob. And all he remembers is aliens all the way down. <laughs> oh, shit, because he never called them wetbacks. It all comes together. <laughs> For the next year or so, the photo scrutinized and debated uh, until June 1990. In June 1990, that's when they find the body of Michael Henley in the Zuni Mountains near the campsite where he'd gone missing. Apparently, they just found out that he, the kid got lost, went and found a little place to hide out of the elements and just died from exposure. Yeah, but how fucking like big brain would it be? You know what I mean? Like if he... He just drove that that little bastard back there and, and then dumped him. The problem with that is, is that photo was taken after 1989. It would have been far after that kid would have been already dead. I'm not going to, you don't fucking sit here and, and expect me to trust Kodak. All right. <laughs> I'm barely even fucking in business anymore. Fuck those Kodak assholes. Okay. Yeah. You, you give them like, hey, guys, can you help us uh, with this uh, picture? You think you can f- f- photography science your, your way through <laughs> this investigation? And they're like, 1989. <laughs> well, sure, I guess. But I mean, the, the actual thing wasn't in market. Like you could actually track that. It's not some scientists. It's like the photo that was taken wouldn't have been sold till 1989. Like you couldn't have had it before that. Like the actual photo paper itself. So maybe like 
What if the guy worked for Kodak? He's a good... <laughs> he got the beta Polaroids. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, that actually narrows it down to like three guys. Steve, John, and Jimbo. Like just those three guys would have Steve, had it. Steve, John, and Jimbo Kodak. We're coming yeah. for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but but not before we do our next sponsor. Kodak, everybody. <laughs> we, believe it or not, we're still here. Thanks, Kodak. Kodak. One less photo for us to print for you. When you need us to, to post data Polaroid, yeah. just call the one person that still works here. Please call the right number. Yeah. Looking for a last minute uh, birthday or Christmas gift? Uh, check out Kodak's new uh, off-the-shelf already printed Polaroid photos. <laughs> Coming to a convenience store near you soon. All right, but yeah, the the boy's been disproven. But who is the boy? That's the real question. Uh, that's the only real mystery. The f- boy and the girl in the photo is the real mystery in this entire thing because there's no actual. It veers off this story, so I want to talk about the boy for a second. To this day, no one knows who the boy actually is. In that, in fact, in 2008 and nine, two more photos were sent to the Port St. Joe's police chief. Both are postmarked from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and neither have a return address. The first one's uh, a picture uh, is the original photo of the boy photocopied onto a paper. So like the photo that we saw, we all saw just a bit. Uh, The other is a photo of a boy who looks like the boy in the original photo, except this is photos different. The picture is kind of like a school picture, but it has marker covering the boy's mouth like a gag like over the kid's mouth. It's not like an actual gag. It's just like a school photo with a marker over top of it. No idea on who the boy is or why the photo got sent. Not much info on that. Nobody ever ever figured out that. They just went, oh, cool. Weird photo, even to this day. Yeah, we took the the crazy, creepy photo that that lady found and we made it creepier. No, he found it. He he took a photocopy of that and then took a second photo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just made made that whole thing even weirder. Yeah, I, I don't – I'm more on the side of, like, that's, like, a prank some fucking true crime douchebags, like, sending to the police to be, like, funny. But mm. I don't know if that's the case or not. I think it's I think it's more realistic because most, most true crime people are utterly unhinged. So maybe he just didn't think to also write his thoughts about what he was sending down and just was like, they got to have it. <laughs> They'll know. This is going to be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then moved on to the next thing after he got evicted for not paying rent and only watching the same true crime episodes over and over again. <laughs> next, I send a vial of Jarbonet's blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyways, back to the first photo. Over the first year of the photo being released on A Current Affair, two other photos, not the ones I was just talking about, two other photos of bound women show up at the police station. The second photo... Uh, was found at a construction site in Montecito, California. This one is a close-up of an out-of-focus woman whose mouth is gagged. She's brunette, like Tara, but it's really hard to tell if it is her, let alone anything. It's so fucking fuzzed up. Uh, In the background, there's a blue and white striped fabric. kind of looks like the one that matches in the first photo. So maybe it's her, but you can't really tell. It's so out-of-focus. The third photo is of a woman and a man on an Amtrak train. The woman has her wrists bound with gauze and her eyes are covered with more gauze. And she underneath the like gauze where they tied up her eyes is like, she's wearing big, large black framed glasses, which 
the girl wasn't wearing glasses in the first photo. So, and then there's a man sitting next to her, head up in the air, eyes closed, mouth open, laughing in like a weird laughing motion. That one to me looks also fake. That one looks like someone that's a posed photo. But out of the, like, like I said, out of the three, that one's the fakest looking one. It could be a real, but it's not like weirdly on an Amtrak train. And I don't know, it just looks like the hype of the fucking other photo made the crazies come out of the woodwork again. But it does, the second one kind of has a little bit of like it, it's just weird that they're found in weird places. And Polaroids of girls being bound, found, and honestly seems suspicious to me. It has to be related somehow, those first two, even the third one, maybe. Hmm. So yeah, no one's ever figured out who those photos are either. Uh, so yeah, I'm still I'm I'm leaning more towards like a co-conspiracy between Polaroid and Kodak because <laughs> I mean you got to imagine the number one consumer of Polaroid film and cameras had to be abductors because like before that you couldn't just take like an instant picture without like then also having to bring it to a place to fucking <laughs> have that. Yeah. You just take anybody and take pictures of whatever you wanted, and you're like, ha ha, <laughs> my eyes only. You had to be real tight with the guy who was like doing the photo like development, right? Like, I need Bill. Is Bill working today? Bill's not here till this afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> fine, I'll go see Bill. Yeah, that's exactly. True. Now, I mean, with Polaroid. You're probably right, though. What better way to announce that you're now selling, you know, Polaroid pictures at convenience stores to start this massive viral campaign? <laughs> This was just marketing ahead of its time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the CEO of Polaroid. Due to a loophole in the American legal system, child pornography is now legal to buy at convenience stores. <laughs> Ugh. Oof. Whole, whole new meaning to the, the store's name 7 to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I'm sorry. I had to. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. So Patty and John, they start digging into this more than the cops. Like, they're actually annoying the police. They're annoying the police so much that by in 1991, the Valencia County Sheriff's Office deputizes Patty and John Dole. This gives them access to the, to the case files. Uh, and it also allows them to carry a weapon. It gives them a right to carry a weapon. Um, so give the grieving fucking parents who probably think everyone's involved uh, a, a reason to carry on a handgun. This can't be a problem. I fucking thought that was funny. I had to add it. It doesn't do anything to the case at all, except for make me laugh. So I had to add that in there. They give them, they deputize God, fucking them. Damn it. Fucking Christ. <laughs> Look, they won't stop bothering us. <laughs> And honestly, I can't take it anymore. So we're just going to let them do it themselves. <laughs> I wonder if they paid them. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if they had to put them on a payroll. They had to do yeah. all sorts of like HR shit with them. They got to do training courses just so they wouldn't be annoyed. It'd be less annoying to put them through the training process. Although to be a cop's like two weeks training anyway. So Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were, they were actual police officers <laughs> and just as adequate at the job. Yeah. If not more so. They were out giving speeding tickets and like asking questions. Yeah about their daughter every <laughs> passing motorist all right ma'am you have any idea how fast you were going you have any idea how fast you'd be going if you had a college sophomore in your trunk <laughs> yeah so uh, anyways the, the deputization does really nothing because the case goes cold what kind of beer do you drink <laughs> are you a budweiser or an old milwaukee person <laughs> brought to you by kodak <laughs>
just like, all the just taking pictures of everyone that's brought yeah. to you by Kodak. This ticket brought to you by Kodak. Maybe, maybe that's the new ad to do. Just like a, a, a soft guitar playing. Like, mm, you ever just sit around thumbing through your Polaroids of child pornography and <laughs> <laughs> cracking open a cool old Milwaukee? I think this is actually a really uh, actual good time to put out one of our real sponsors. Who's our sponsor today, RJ? A real sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you to InCellular. InCellular is our new uh, sponsor. That's amazing. So here's their app. InCellular. Life is hard. Why let your phone plan make it harder? At InCellular, we give you the data you need to keep up with the important things. Brag that they're going to get our guns as well. They've taken everybody's guns, but the Swiss. At a cost that leaves room in your wallet for what you really want. What's up, Bogeyheads? Welcome back to D. Bogey's Defense Diaries. Today, we are going to take a look at this beautiful Smith & Wesson M&P 15. Let InCellular worry about your phone plan so you can get back to what matters most. You, um, you can't bring that in. Sir! Sir! No! Join InCellular, the 18 to 34-year-old white man's number one choice of network. That's uh, InCellular. If you can't get a girlfriend, you can at least get a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, that's a great tag. (laughs) Case goes cold, very few updates. Until 1999, a guy named Scott Cunningham gives a statement to Detective James Purdy regarding the Tara Calico case. Now, I believe, I don't know exactly why he's talking to the police, but he was a drug addict like these other guys he's friends with. We'll talk about in a bit. So I'm guessing he got busted in something minor and he just wanted to get off by like saying, I know stuff about- Yeah, busted with a minor? With a minor charge of some sort. Mm. Like probably had possession like- Of a minor? Of a minor in the back of his Kodak truck. <laughs> So I'm guessing that's what happened. I don't really know, but he does make a statement to Detective James Purdy regarding the Tara Calico case. He claims that he'd been partying with Lawrence Romero Jr. and another guy named Charles Houghton. They're all fucked up on drugs and alcohol, and some girl from the party slipped, I guess, and she bumped her head on a car and passed out. I don't know if it knocked her out or if her passed out, and they said passed out, but it sounded like knockout to me. Cunningham claims that Romero then said that this reminded of one of what happened to Tara. Uh, Romero and Houghton had a big laugh. Cunningham said that he knew after that night that Romero and Houghton had something to do with her disappearance for sure. So the sheriff in 1999 was a guy named Rene Rivera. He was very curious about the story Scott Cunningham was telling. He joined the force the year after Tara's disappearance, and now he's in charge, and he wanted to close some cases, especially that one because that one's been hanging over the county for a long time. So he goes out and finds another guy who's at the party, unnamed, okay? So they didn't really say this guy's name. They just, another witness. Uh, Questions regarding the incident. The new witness tells the same story that Cunningham had, except he adds a few more details. The witness claims that Romero Jr. and Cunningham said that Tara was dead and buried somewhere on Romero Jr.'s property. Tara Calico, then that's, that's what they get for that. They don't really have any evidence. It's just two druggies talking, okay? Cool. That's nice to say. Now they got to investigate some more. So Rene Rivera's on top of it. Um, meanwhile, uh, in 2002, November 2nd, 2002, Tara Calico's dad, like her, her biological dad, not John, David, uh, he's mugged and beaten to death, never knowing whatever happened to his daughter. So that, that guy died just getting fucking beat. Woo. 2003, Patty and John moved to Florida to retire. 
Um, they don't get to retire for long as Patty passes away in 2006 after some complications from having a series of strokes. After some complications from being mugged and beaten to death. Yeah, it would be interesting if she got mugged yeah. and beaten to death too. But yeah, no uh, strokes. So she never got to actually figure out what happened to Tara either. 2006. That same year in 2006, another tip comes in. It took about seven years for them to actually catch on to another tip. Uh, it's an 83-year-old man named Harry Brown. Brown calls the police on his neighbor. This is what they say. I don't really understand this, but I read this and I was confused. But So he calls the police on his neighbor because he blamed the neighbor for a swarm of bees that was on his property. It's like 83-year-old guys like, the neighbors keep throwing bees at my property. Come stop them from throwing bees at my property. <laughs> That would be very funny. I am picturing like, you know, like one of those like big clumps of bees where they look liquid and yeah. just fucking hucking it. Just at the old man like, get off my lawn with your bees. <laughs> Anyways, so whatever. Oh, uh, I've also seen it reported that he says this as a deathbed confession. Whatever. After talking with Do Deputy Frank Methola, Harry decides he wants to let the deputy know something that has been bothering him for nearly 20 years so if this was because he was making a deathbed confession to deputy frank methola uh that's kind of fun to me too so mm -hmm. either way the, it's deputy methola wait can i can i take like a home run swing at how the confession went yeah sure yeah he was like he brings the cop in he's like all right i'm gonna have a seat now you go over to the fridge the detective is like huh he walks over the fridge, like, what the fuck? Opens it up, and it's just fucking full of old Milwaukee. He turns around, and the old guy's, like, <laughs> winks at him and then just fucking blows his brains out. <laughs> I wish that was the truth. <laughs> but it's even stupider. Okay. Shit. All right. Uh, did you hear what I said? Stupider. So <laughs> the statement says that Brown used to live down the street from Lawrence Romero Jr.'s trailer. The trailer used to be a party spot for Lawrence and his friends. One time... This was 20 years ago. So Brown would have been 63. Romero, Lawrence Romero would have been probably 30 or even like younger than that when this happened. Anyways, you've been about 30. Let's just say for fun of it because I didn't do the math. So one time Brown went down to the basement that the boys dug out underneath the trailer as their party room. So he went over. He's like, I'm going to go party with these guys into their fucking dugout basement trailer. Uh, okay. He said when he got to the basement, like where they had dug it out, there was like a small grave covered by a blue tarp. The tarp was covering what Brown thought was a small body. Then Romero Jr. and his friends start talking about how they ran Tara off the road. They hit her off her bike. She was still alive. Then they like abduct her, bring her to a quarry, rape and sodomize her, and finally kill her. Romero says, quote, she got ballsy. So Romero got a knife from the truck while the other boys held her down as he killed her. They left her in the bushes that day near the quarry but had to go back when they found out the police were out looking for her so they went and picked her back up put her in the little basement hangout spot that they had uh now they also said and now if you say anything old man brown you're fucking you're dead bro we'll put you right beside her in that little fucking hole underneath my trailer we'll throw more bees at you <laughs> <laughs> we we will cover you in bees, motherfucker. There will be an amount of bees there too unforeseen in your life. <laughs> you ever watch Candyman? Twice as bad. <laughs> so in the years later, uh, Brown said that Romero Jr. filled his makeshift basement with cement. So that's probably where the body is, according to Brown. 
Nothing's ever been dug up. In September 2008, Sheriff Rene Rivera releases a statement saying that he knows exactly what happened to Tara Calico. Hmm. He outlines a theory where two men, teenagers at the time, had abducted Tara and killed her. And then he says there's two other boys that were accomplices after the fact. He also claimed that the boys' parents were both influential and powerful members of the community and had helped the boys cover up the crime. Rivera never releases names of anyone involved because he needs some real evidence to back it up. So he goes out there and gives all these fucking people hope like, oh yeah, I know what happened. He's like, who? Oh, I can't tell you. Why would you make that statement, dude? Don't be an asshole. You pissed everyone off. All that did was piss people off. You just wanted the people to know that he knew. Yeah, I know. You don't need to know. I know. Trust yeah. me. I'm, exactly. I'm Renee Rivera. Yeah. Yeah. So he says until he finds like the bike or Tara's body, he's not saying shit. Okay. And then it goes cold, like cold. And then in 2013, a task force is created to figure out what exactly happened to Tara. And as recently as 2021, the task force has said that they have new tips on the disappearance of Tara. There's currently a $20,000 reward for any information that can help solve the case of missing Tara Calico. And that is basically where we're at with this case. So it is hmm. theory time. Well, here's like my one big question is like everybody's so torn on whether that's her in the image or not. If it's not, is anybody worried about who else it might be? Or did they just give up there? Is it just like, oh, not Tara. We can go home, guys. No, I, I agree with you. I think that's the only actual mystery in this entire thing is who those kids are in that photo. Hmm. Really? Because the rest of it is obvious. Like, right? Like, am I wrong? It sounds like it's the fucking sheriff's kid who killed someone and the sheriff helped him cover it up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, that's a, the yeah. sheriff's kid when that happened was drinking old Milwaukee baby. Oh, okay. So, uh, cool. Lawrence Romero Jr. is also a redhead, like st- shockingly redheaded. Yeah, I'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, I'll give you my stupid theories. Oh, well, I mean that's kind of a big. I know that's what I'm saying. I'll talk about him. It, yeah, I'll talk about them a little bit more after I go through the stupid theories. You want to hear the stupid theories? Mm-hmm, please. Tara was a runaway. Um, just like the police originally thought. Tara just ran away. Didn't want to be it. around her 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 all-star fucking quarterback boyfriend anymore. Didn't want to study psychology. Hates fucking tennis. Tennis was always a ruse. Had to drive around on a pink, huffy bike. You know how fucking mm-hmm. embarrassing that is? In Balin, New Mexico? You know how embarrassing yeah. that is? Oh, I I'm, bet. I'm out of here. I'm just getting on a fucking bike. I'm heading either Mexico or Canada, and I'll never see you fuckheads ever again. And I'll one day become Rick Getz's mom. <laughs> and I I am never going to send him to a real school. We are going to learn everything in the home. Because <laughs> if I go to real school, they're going to ask a lot of questions. And I'm not Tara yeah. Calico anymore. I am Debbie Getz. I'm guessing your mom's name is Debbie. Yes, yeah, spot on. First guess. That's actually kind of impressive. Is it actually did Debbie? You, did you do your research on that? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's awesome. I just said a name. That's amazing. That's wild, dude. <laughs> that is pretty good. Good guess. I'm psychic. So that's the first theory. I like that theory because it really f- lines up with, you know, the old saying about all these cases is, you know, uh, what they say. The police's first guess is always right. Yeah. That's how every true crime thing yeah. goes. Support our cops. Yeah. Blue Lives Matter sponsored our next sponsor. Yeah, it's not a thin blue line. The paint on the wall should only be blue. Color it (laughs) in. 
god. Blue lives matter so much. We're just gonna let everybody have a blue life if, yeah, exactly. if their daughter goes missing. I heard this episode sponsored by getting deputized. Getting yeah. deputized. <laughs> Is your daughter missing? Patty Dole will investigate and hand over the information to the police yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. Patty Dole, mother. <laughs> Stroke victim, cop. <laughs> Detective. Grizzly. Wow. Played by Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> that shit came full circle today. Oh, All right. So, yeah. Whether <laughs> that, might be the, that might be our solve. It's funny as fuck. Um, next theory. Serial uh, abductor of some sort. Based on the photos. That being Tara and the photos. Honestly, I think there must be some sort of serial abductor in general, whether that's there in the photo or not, that this is getting into some like human trafficking fucking territory. If you ask me, that's really where I think of that whole thing. I think you're right about the photo. It's like it's not really a photo of two scared kids. It's a photo of two pieces of product that are about to be sold. And like, that's what you're like showing your fucking... advertisement. Yeah, exactly. So I whether or not Tara is in those photos or not, like whether or not that's actually Tara or not, there is a serial abductor in New Mexico or Saint Port St. Joe, Florida. Please, for the love of God, look into that. I don't think they stole Tara, though, but I do think there is an abductor, and I want somebody to look into that. That's all. And then the last series, Sheriff covered it up. Now, quick little thing here is Lawrence Romero Jr. killed himself in 1991 via gunshot wound to the head. Uh, it's either he committed suicide or it was during a game of Russian roulette. Wait, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. When you say it's either one of those two, how did we come to the determination that he either killed himself or it was Russian roulette? Because this is the rumors that that lady who has the podcast is hearing. Wait, this podcast and why it's behind a Patreon wall is all because it's just based off of rumors she is hearing from her hometown? Well, no, she got, no, no, no. She got the police file. So she she went through the whole police file. And there's a bunch of missing parts of the police file. It's super corrupt. They're they're missing chunks of it. It's all out of order. She better be careful. She's gonna get mugged. She was making a documentary earlier on, and she got scared because the people in Balin were the ones covering it up, and she was exposing a lot of shit. So she stopped. Mm. She was getting a life threat or life threatened. So then she decided to move to podcasting, where she can be more anonymous and not have to be in front of everyone with a camera. And then the podcast blew up. And then once she got big enough. The podcast it got enough she decided to put it behind the patreon wall and continue her documentary so that's what she was that's what she's doing so now the documentary is gonna like it started filming in 2013 or something like that so it's gonna come out like if she ever finishes it i don't know but it's gonna be like a 10-year adventure of her fucking trying to figure this out and exposing these fucking corrupt ass police um so yes it's behind a paywall just because i think she wants to and she only did that last year i think put it behind the paywall it was up for free for five or six huh. years it, it was out for a long time she just literally put it behind i think it's to help pay for the actual documentary is what i'm saying so well that was a good move on her part because if it's one thing bad people don't have it's money yeah. <laughs> i don't think she's scared of getting killed anymore i think it's too exposed now i think she just mm. more wants the money from who people want to listen to it to actually continue filming because it costs money to make i mean sure. not to like scare her off but just because you're in the limelight doesn't mean you can get killed or you can't get killed like jfk Pretty much in the limelight got killed yeah but i think like everyone that's involved in this is dead now i don't think there's anybody to kill her anymore like uh, there, i i believe there's always another crazy out there ready to spout some bullshit and come find her 
Could be. Here's here here. Listen, okay. So Lawrence Romero either is she a teacher? No, Lawrence Romero either killed himself, Russian roulette, or killed himself uh, voluntarily. It's unclear. Some say that there was like a suicide note with a confession uh, when he did kill himself, but his father was still the sheriff at the time. So they think his father would have taken the the note and never put it into evidence. Why? 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 Because he has so a like... confession of killing Tara Calico and he doesn't want that on his name. Oh, oh, hmm. oh, oh. Yeah. So sheriff even, he even claimed that his son was murdered. So... Uh, that's how far he was trying to cover it up. Like he didn't, he wasn't trying to kill himself. He, someone killed him. Because as we know, guns kill people. People don't kill people. My son did not kill himself. The gun killed him. <laughs> Lawrence Romero Jr. is a redhead. Somebody that saw him driving. Uh, there was a lady that was like going to the airport that saw the truck at the same time and saw the same redheaded guy. She picked a photo out of a lineup and picked Lawrence Romero Jr., like later on in life. So like, it's obviously that fucking guy who killed Tara. But anyways, uh, the other guy cutting out fingered as a suspect is Charles Houghton. That guy, a uh, Houghton overdosed in 2008. Some say his death was from a hot shot, either taken deliberately or given to him by someone who wanted him to shut the fuck up. I'm just guessing he overdosed himself. What is a hot shot? Like, uh, Oh, too much heroin. So like purposefully, oh, purposefully gotcha. gave him an overdose. Right. JJ Agario, Agayo, his status is undefined. I couldn't figure out where he is. I did hear a bunch of places that he's in an asylum in Texas, in an insane asylum. So, yes, maybe JJ is the one who can come fucking kill, or I forget the lady's name. I, f- I haven't written up higher. Maybe she's the one. She should be scared of JJ Agayo. But yeah, I- dude, that sounds like one of the worst places to be in asylum in Texas. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> So it's probably lit sometimes, though. <laughs> yeah, on Jello Day. No, I'm reminiscing. There's <laughs> <laughs> the other guy, Zach or whatever his name was. I fucking didn't write down. He's also dead. Or no, he's still alive. Sorry. How old would these people have been if they weren't dead? They would have been born in the same ish year. Because there's like also okay. Sorry, I'll, I'll I forgot to even mention this. I didn't even write it down, but it's true. Lawrence Romero Jr. had a crush on Tara too, and he asked her out, and she was like, "No, I'm dating someone." There's like extra incellular is a good sponsor for today. Like, she was born in 1969, so they would be 50s now. So they'd be in their 50s, 60s. These people, because they were a bit older, I think, than Tara was, hmm. like a year or two. But she rejected him. The whole motive that is put out there is that he tried to pick her up and she, cause she had just broken up with her boyfriend, which she didn't, but he thought that, and everyone knew that she drove that stretch of highway. It's not like it's big secret. It's only one highway and she's there every day doing it. So he went to like, go ask her out that day. And she said, no. And she's like, I still have a boyfriend. What are you talking about? So he like kills her out of rage or drives into her. Cause he was a druggie too. They're all like into the heroin and shit. Maybe he just overreacted and drove into her, brought her out to the quarry, raped her and said, fuck you, I'm going to kill you now. Because she, she threatened to tell on him and then he murders her for doing that. And That's why I think it would have been a better unethical episode than this, because I just totally believe that that guy killed them. Or she's a runaway and Bruce Willis is playing her mom now. In the, mm-hmm. in the, in the... I don't know. The thing with the, the claim with the identical scar on the leg from the person in the photo is a weird one. But like, if you want to see it, you're going to see it, right? Like, look at that Polaroid. Tell me if you can see a fucking scar. I can't see I mean, a scar. I, can, I definitely, definitely can see it if it's where I think it is. 
Exactly. And if you want to see what you want but, to see. But I, I don't know. I don't know what the original scar looked like because there's no photos of that. It's just a claim that it looked like it. But if it if the if the scar really did look like that, the likelihood that that shit would happen, I don't know. Like be exactly the same and the photo be found. Uh-huh. Is it okay? Let's let's do it this way then. Is it more likely that she was picked up, abducted on the side of the highway with her bike never being found again with some other kid, or yeah. some incel fucking kid who thought he could date her just kills and rapes her, and then her corrupt father covers it up, his corrupt father covers it up? I think it's about 50-50. You think that's 50-50? I, I truly do because you put a lot of detail into the second part, right? So it's like, do I think that somebody was following her on the road and then decided to kidnap her? Or first off, we don't even know. Like maybe fucking Ishmael did it. I mean, that dude's like, oh yeah, I saw some redheaded guy who was, you know, high off his ass that did it. It's like really, you have a dead calf. You have a dead calf in there. There was more people that saw her getting followed by this brown or this gray truck with a camper shell that he had access to, like that Lawrence Romero Jr. had. So like, there, it's not just like one person. There's like four or five people that. Saying, all, right, all right, let's say this camper truck. Okay, they either killed her for unknown reasons or kidnapped her, okay? And then you're saying, what's more likely that this person kidnapped her and then was driving places with her in this van, pictures drop. I mean, the, the picture dropped on the ground thing is weird for sure. Anyone ever finding that? But the cover-up option, I don't know. It's definitely plausible. I think both are plausible. But if now you say that all of this happened and there was a scar on that matched. I don't know. That part is what's weird to me. I feel like that's one of those, like, the parent wants that to be her daughter because her daughter's been gone for so long and just sees connections, whether they're there or not. I, I But don't no believe... one else came forward? No one else is like, oh, shit, no, that's my daughter. I, You know what that could have been? That could have just been, like I was saying earlier, like some fucking abusive-ass parents who said, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm tying you in the back, and then took pictures of them. And then they're obviously they're not going to go tell on themselves. I don't know. I, I think they would. I, I think even if it was, like, I don't know, if it was something less nefarious, I feel like they'd be like, oh, shit, sorry, no, that was actually us. Hmm. I don't think I would tell on myself if I was beating my kids. That's just stupid. The, those kids don't look like they were beaten. Yeah, I just watched the new Orphan movie. I haven't I haven't no I liked it a lot and that that just is very that smacks of a of a similar (laughs) plot line in that movie well I'm just saying like it could be those photos could be anything it could be for like a set photo for like a weird underground horror movie that just never came out that they're like this but again why, why would you there's no way that you're in that area and you don't care about this. Why would you not be like, oh it's shit, sorry, that was me. Media's not the same as it is now. Everyone sees the same shit all the time now. Now you you're think getting... they see it to this day? Yeah, I guess. But like, I guess so. It's just like, do you remember everything that happened 20 years ago? Listen, like, if I took this picture you're... like jokingly and like, I, who who knows what the photo, like what, what the purpose of it. But if I took it like jokingly, have my kids in the back, I'm like, yo, here, slap this duct tape onto your face. And sit on your hands. I'm gonna take this picture and tell your mom that you guys were very well behaved. It's gonna be funny as shit. And then I drop the photo. But somehow, how later, even 20 years later, I'm like, oh shit, wait, that was me. I'm gonna fess up. I'm gonna be like, oh, I was fucking around with my kids. My it's, bad. No, that's that's the ultimate power, dude. Like to to know that like that could very well be how like some of these unsolved mysteries happen. It's just a series of incredibly unlikely events. And yeah. then to know that yourself. 
and A, be anxious as fuck about being responsible for all of this fucking chaos. But that's and why B, I would tell him. having the immense power of controlling that narrative by simply not speaking up is mwah. We've come across this in our show already with that guy who everyone thought was Elvis in fucking Home Alone. And the guy knew it was him, and he just let it happen for years. Yeah, like him and his wife were laughing about. It. They're like, "Let the fucking people believe." It's hilarious. And then when he dies, yeah, but this like, is different. If it's like a missing person, and it's like, "Oh shit, we're investigating every angle. We've got the roads locked down." You're gonna like be like, "No." But I'm I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is what you're saying is very innocuous and haha that's funny that maybe they did that all the time took pictures like oh we're tied to a po- dad we were behaved today like that's sure okay but if you did that 20 years ago and then you don't see the photo until now you're not gonna remember that that's a fucking thing that just like blah blah happened to you over the years like maybe you might yeah. I mean maybe you remember it but I think I think you're overestimating yourself if you say you'd blow your whole life up just to come clean on that one. Well, okay, if I did it, I beat the shit <laughs> well, out of my well, kid. Right, are we talking about my stocks? Cause... Right, if I, did, <laughs> if I did it in a way to like beat the shit out of my kids, I'm not going to be like, all right, you caught me. Yeah. I beat up my kids 20 years ago, but they're alive now. We're good. Yeah. But if it was like a joke thing where I'm like, no, 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 we were all messing around. Like, here are both my children. And they can say like, I wasn't beating them. Like, for sure. I, be- I, uh, I don't think it's anything like that. I legit think it's probably some sort of abductions thing. Cause it's such a weird thing to happen for it to be. Something I don't know. Like- it's so weird because of the photo and the fact that it was found and neither of them has a look of panic or a look of, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to consider because okay. you know, if you're in another- it long enough, you're not panicked, but Another thing to discount the that being terror on the photo, okay, is like separate witnesses asked at separate times all say the same kind of story of these guys talking shit about them getting rid of Tara and stuff like that. Now, yeah, but you just said that they were all high all the time. What do, what are these? What do they know? You know, you can't just discount people because they're junkies. But what you can do is go meh. But if it's all different times and different people that aren't friends with people. But you're you are discounting that a junkie could kidnap her but not that a junkie could kill her. Come on. Junkies discount- can do more, Richard. <laughs> I'm not discounting anything. What I'm saying is it just sounds more likely from all the information that they've been getting over the years in Balin that it's fucking the cops kid. If it was just one guy over in one year or two guys in the same year, it's over years, two different people that don't hang out with each other saying they saw them at different points, talking about these things at different times. I, I don't know. I, if you hear a story enough times, how much truth is to it, right? Like where do you differentiate between rumor and like, I don't, I don't think it's the number of times that, that necessarily makes me believe a thing. I think it's probably the, the amount of evidence. I just, it's so weird that if the sheriff helped cover it up, that he's just like, I know who it is, but I'm not going to do it. Well, no, like, uh, that's that's the second sheriff. The original sheriff is the one covering it up. The f- original sheriff is Lawrence Romero. Okay, even even still, the second. Yeah, let's guy talk more about let's talk more about Lawrence Romero because I didn't really get into him much because I was like meh, but he was a very well respected police officer in his community. He was until he bought a bar, owned the bar. He's the police chief and he owned the bar in town and he ran the bar every night and he became a fucking drunk, very bad drunk to the point where. And the town loved him. No, <laughs> he became an asshole. <laughs> he became he became a piece of shit. I had to go to rehab and the town loved him. He was a guy who had a shitty reputation by the end of his career, and he probably saw the same thing happening to his kid. And he was like, I don't want this bad shit to happen to my kid as well with his shitty 
alcoholism or addictive personality, let's say. So I'm going to give him a second chance. And what did he do with that second chance? Blows his own brains out. So, well, he probably lost at Russian roulette. My point is, I bet you the dad, I bet or you one, depending how you look at it. That's yeah. true. Maybe he didn't get a second chance. Maybe he got like five chances. And then <laughs> every time you kill, every time you abduct, rape, and murder a young lady, you have to shoot this gun five yeah. tries. That's it. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. I, sure. It could be abducted. Like I put it in there. I'm not discounting it completely. I just think it's way more likely. And she just died on that highway and the cops covered it up. In my opinion, whether I'm right or not, I don't know. Or actually that's the second because number one is she ran away and she's Debbie Getz. I want to know today if somebody's in a a Walmart parking lot or convenience store parking lot and they find this Polaroid on the ground. Are police going to be pulling out every stop and looking at cameras and we're going to see everything? Or is it going to be the same shoddy bullshit where it's like... Uh, does anybody know if this photo is real Kodak? Can you guys chop on this? Now they find that photo. They're going to trace that photo and follow it on traffic cameras. Like what car fell out to find that car, where to go in the traffic cameras. They'll find that fucking guy within a couple hours. F- yeah, te- technology has offloaded so much work cops actually do. Do hey, you know crazy. how busy Patty Dole was before they invented surveillance cameras? <laughs> they leaned on that bitch for everything. <laughs> it's I, I like it, you're making a joke but surveillance is so crazy now if you're in a big city you cannot hide good luck you can go no. in the back corner you no. cannot you can't get out i used if to have more of a problem with that when it comes to like privacy and stuff and then i realized it's kind of just like an implicit agreement we're all making because it's as mad as i can be about you know being seen doing whatever it is the moment something happens to me <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, what are we going with guys? Rick, you pick the name of the hat. Which one do you want? You get to pick, you get, you, you pick the name of the hat. You get the solve. Hmm. Call your mom. I am pretty, I'm pretty equally in both camps right now. It's hard, right? Flip a coin. And you said this one was solved. It is solved. The guy did it, but I mean, you can think he was abducted. I don't think that at all. What do you mean? How do they know that the guy did it? What do you... It's I believe with truly in my heart of hearts that uh, Lawrence Romero. Wait, are you saying it's solved because you believe it? Is that the new standard? I just got to convince you. No, I said it's solved because everyone thinks that except for you. So let's see what your theory is. But the, okay, then there must be more evidence because there's no way that I'm the only one that knows all the evidence. And is there's like, no nah. evidence. That's the problem. It's all talking to fucking witnesses. There's no actual physical evidence of her being circumstantial. Yeah, but witnesses, we know witnesses don't know shit. We know from every case that we've seen, witnesses don't know shit. How many times have we heard a story and like, there are five people and they're all just saying a bunch of random shit. We literally do unsolved cases. So yes, but witnesses know a shit ton out of all the solved cases. You know how many unsolved cases there are versus solved ones? It's astronomical. I wanna I wanna take I wanna take that part where Rick said that and then play it to a woman who just gave testimony of her rape at a trial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we all know witnesses don't know shit. Just... <laughs> it's true i i mean witness testimony is extremely i flawed, i agree right? i i see i see your side of it um and i i don't know i think i think it's one of those things where the the way you believe it's it's the the guy that everyone thinks it is is because it's just so goddamn convincing 
um, based on, I'm, I'm assuming most people that think that too have been following that podcast to some degree as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. which I think can shape narratives in a certain way. Cause it's just like, it's just like making a murderer. Like I'll never forgive that fucking show for <laughs> how, how it made that dude look for as long as, as it did. Cause there was like huge free Stephen Avery camps all over the fucking internet after that. I'm not saying that Brandon show... Dassey is the one they're trying to, that we yes, should all yeah. be trying to save because that kid did nothing. But Stephen Avery is a fucking murderer. Oh, I sure. agree with you a hundred percent. I just, I don't think I'm, I'm saying, I don't think the show, I see what you're saying, but I, I'll, maybe I'll have to go back and I mean, I don't think I'm going to fucking rewatch it, but I'll revisit no. the source material. I don't think they did a good job of that. I think the, I think it was trying to be more focused on the second season. Anyway, it was more focused on like Brandon Dassey did who found the, who found the second piece of the Walkman at the later date pops bullshit. Who was the chief at the time? The sheriff or whatever. It's the dad. Yeah. Still the dad. Yeah. It, I it was also found beside a bunch of old Milwaukee beer cans. It just doesn't make sense to me. If you're a cop helping to cover it up and you find out about this later, you're smart enough to to not 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 I don't want to say not make mistakes like that, but if you're the one that finds it later, not make a fucking deal about it, like not report it. There's all sorts of things that like sure that kind of but like the case files all fucked up. There's missing uh interviews. People say they called in and said they said they saw Tara with a guy aren't in there and they're like I called the police. I took a report. I spoke with such and such police officer. Shit's missing from the case file. Who did that? Romero. There's also like well, is he the only time? was there only a sheriff at the time or were there like other people? There's not many people. Police. It's a small county, dude. There's not lots of people. He's in charge of the whole thing. He's the lead of the whole thing. There are other people. I think we know the real answer. I think what you know we're i think what we're all thinking is hey take a picture it'll last longer <laughs> all right let's just stop looking at it just move on there's nothing to see here kodak's still kicking if rick picks she was abducted by the polaroid incel i'm down with that uh i don't care i'll pick whatever side that's why i'm asking you you're asking you want to ask more questions i'll answer it it's just what i believe is not going to be what to solve this today because it's not as funny i think if you look back in time the camera companies such as kodak <laughs> were extremely terrified of the technology companies such as sony with the walkman so i think what we see here is a case of really trying to shove a product down you know a target market's throat so hard that she gets pushed off of her bicycle and Kodak had no other choice than to cover up the crime through the Walkman into the woods later to be found by whatever his name was. There's too many, there's too many police in this one. I can't keep track of who they all are. Lawrence Romero. They need to not listen. Police need to be like, like John McClain defending large towers. All right. The same person every time. Just keep coming back forever Ge until it's solved. Gentlemen, please. let me defer your attention to, Kodak CEO Jim Continenza and uh <laughs> look look at that man. He's eaten something before. He ate her. Yeah. Yeah. He he's well, I mean, okay, I'm not trying to be fat phobic here or anything, but he's definitely uh got the pedophile vibe. I don't like the like the smile that goes up a little bit to just show the one thing. Yeah. Like Yeah, that little like that little like, hey, I got a I got a, a streak of danger in me. And and who who has an interest more than anyone in a burgeoning child pornography market, but people who make instant photo cameras. What do you think's in the in the inside of that sweater or the jacket? Just Polaroids of Ooh, let's enhance and find out. Oh, there's a Polaroid. Here, of here's the issue because Sony was already working on on hard drives, as we know, and hard drives you could store 
you know, thousands and thousands of pictures at the time. And that really cut into their business. So they, they really preferred the hard, the hard copy Polaroids that you could just stick into a photo album. (laughs) Kodak, Kodak wanted to, wanted young women to be using, you know, be taking pictures, not to be listening to music, not to be using the Walkman, right? Technology is the enemy. Oh, so they, I they took her up. But I, I, I actually, you know, thinking about this more and more and more and more, really think she probably was in some way kidnapped or like, you know, maybe they roughed her up and then like she, you know, got traded or whatever and got in some sort of um, like sex trafficking thing. I don't know. It just doesn't. It feels very weird for the mom to watch and be like, oh, shit, same scar. But again, that's one of those things that you're kind of just taking her word for it. Oh, there's also we got I got a a 11th hour theory here. She pushed play on her Walkman more than a feeling played for the 50,000th time. And she ran herself into traffic. And the person said, said, I don't want to fucking deal with this and just threw it into the bush somewhere. Never to be found. And that's what those people on the side of the road were doing with the, the dog. That was actually her. Exactly. Mm. Well, we've got a lot of solves. I think the police can figure it out from here. Uh, they can yeah, go make we know. I don't like. Area. I don't like that people are calling this one solved. Like, oh, I am. You heard the same story. Oh, so did I. It must be that. I am calling it solved. I'm saying it's like solved. Like it's pretty much all these people are dead. They're never going to arrest anybody. So it's just always going to be up in the air. But like they have best guesses. That's all I'm saying. You know. You know who's not dead, no matter how hard the American economy tried. Kodak. That's true. Remember that. With that, the dicks put away the solving hat, knowing, feeling as if the world and Dickton is a better and less dangerous place because of the hard work they did that day. Also, Richard hid the solving hat so Rick wouldn't accidentally pick a name. Next time, he wanted to be shirtless all day, eating Hot Pockets. I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. (laughs) 